This is Mike Albert, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. Welcome to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, hosted by Gray Jones. You can follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle. You can find all of these podcasts online at youtube.com slash Graham A. Jones, at scriptmag.com, or on the podcast website at tvwriterpodcast.com, where you can also find lots of other resources like the TV Writer Twitter database with Twitter handles for over a thousand writers and links to hundreds of free TV scripts. Now, on to the episode. This is Gray, and I'm here with Mike Alber, who podcast viewers will recognize from episode 35. But four years later, we're catching up with him as he is the co-creator and co-executive producer of Kirby Buckets on Disney XD. Yep. And, uh, and so I, I'm really excited because, because today we're going to learn how you went from zombies to cartoons. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's good to be here. Glad to, uh, glad to catch up with, uh, with you and your, uh, your viewers. Yeah. And so, so let's, uh, let's first rewind a little bit for anybody who, who hadn't seen that podcast. Your story is pretty amazing and pretty unique in the sense yeah. that you sold pitches, you became a staff writer before moving yeah. to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, I was in, so back up, I, I was in medical school for a second and I said, this is not what I want to do. Wasn't sure what I really did want to do. Um, but uh, my friend uh, Gabe Snyder and I uh, from high school, we were sort of noodling around writing, you know, feature length scripts and, um, uh, you know, we kind of decided to make a go of it. He moved out to LA um, where I was uh, still trying to sort of figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, I was getting a, an MFA in creative writing from Ohio State and uh, we were just talking about really trying to make this happen. And so we would enter contests and we would slowly do a little bit better and and uh, kind of like learn the craft just by like writing and, and reading and, and reading other screenplays. And, and then eventually um, we sort of attracted the attention of a small production company and that led to an option and that led to some, you know, some meetings at some TV companies, you know, sort of friends of friends kind of thing. You know, we would sort of develop contacts and then meet some of their contacts. So that was sort of the, uh, that was sort of how it happened. And then, you know, I would not have been able to sell shows or land a staff job without coming out quite a bit. I wasn't officially living out here, but I was, I was spending maybe a quarter to a third of my time out in LA. And then, um, you know, uh, finally, um, you know, we'd gotten an agent and our agent had, you know, you know, called us up and said, hey, there's this uh, MTV show called Death Valley and they're staffing up and they really liked your sample that you'd written for, uh, that we'd written for uh, Spike TV and, and they want to meet you guys. And, and so I could not leave Ohio at the time. My daughter had just been born. She was still in the hospital at the time. Wow. <laughs> so to do this uh, interview, so Gabe went in and I went uh, on the phone um, and just was sort of pacing around, not knowing if this was the right thing to do or not. But I was very excited about the opportunity. And thankfully, you know, my wife is a saint and mm -hmm. she supported that. Um, and we got the job somehow. But, you know, again, I, it is a pretty unique story. And 
and most people I don't think are gonna find find success without actually coming out but I had the added benefit of having a writing partner that lived out here and in a pinch could sub you know sub in for me or represent our our partnership without me if if need be which is a very important caveat yes yes don't uh, don't try to be a tv writer from uh, lincoln nebraska you you can you can work on the craft you can practice you can read up you can do all that stuff but you're probably not going to get hired on anything until you come out and and even then, you know, there's no guarantees, so. Yeah, so, so that does catch us up to 2011, right. which is uh, where, we, where we left off on episode 35. And I, and I do urge viewers to go back to episode 35. You can find it at tvwriterpodcast.com um, and watch the full episode because cause Mike went into great detail about, about that journey and also a lot of uh, tips on, especially um, on generating new ideas. So mm. do highly recommend that. But, now we're going to sort of bring us from that point to the present because right. you're writing about <laughs> cops and zombies and, yeah. and other supernatural creatures, but an MTV kind of flair. Yeah. And then you went to Nickelodeon. And yep. how did that happen? <laughs> um, so what ended up happening was that, that Death Valley job was a great job. And I, I've met a lot of people I'm still close friends with. Um, great first experience, but it was a really short-term job. And so we were only in the writer's room on that for maybe seven weeks, maybe eight weeks. And, and, uh, and then we were sort of done and, um, you know, looking for whatever the next gig was. <laughs> um, and then so 2011, which was the year that I officially moved out. So that was 2010. So 2011, the year I officially like moved out, um, was kind of a dry year. <laughs> um, you know, Death Valley didn't get renewed for a second season, which is a bummer, um, but, you know, happens. And we didn't really have much success in getting on another gig. We were pitching and we were developing new material and we were writing new material, but we, you know, we just didn't, um, we didn't have success in finding that next staffing job. Um, until, you know, around the end of 2011, there were um, things picked up a little bit. And we had a meeting with uh, Disney XD. It was just a general meeting and, you know, talked to them about some, you know, some, some ideas, but mostly it was a getting to know you kind of thing. And they told us they really wanted to do a, a hybrid show, which was live action, um, but also had animation and maybe featured a, you know, like a, a kid animator. And so, and did we have any ideas for that? So we didn't, but we <laughs> kind of, we went back and, um, you know, thought about some things and, you know, sort of went back and forth with them. Um, and, uh, and then right around that same time, um, we got a call for another staffing, uh, uh, interview with some showrunners for a Nickelodeon show and you know kids TV wasn't really where I saw my career starting out you know like I mean initially yeah MTV horror comedy mm -hmm. you know so that's a pretty far cry but but um, you know a lot of uh, a lot of great TV is being made all over so you know you can't you know on, on one hand so that's good and beggars can't be choosers on the other hand yeah. um, and uh, and thankfully the um, you know the show that we were interviewing for um, uh, there at the beginning of 2012 was uh, Super Ninjas, 
which was sort of an action comedy, mm. you know, single camera also, and and uh, had a lot of really fun elements to it, and you know, had some great people there as well. So we got a good feeling from them, and they liked us and offered us that gig, and and so you know, what one thing I think that is, I don't know if it's a common misconception, but it's certainly something that I didn't think about is, mm. you know, when you when you decide I really want to be a TV writer, you know, you might think about the kind of shows that you love. If you're, you know, if you're a comedy fan, maybe you really want to write for Veep, or maybe you really want to write for, you know, uh, like Parks and Rec, or, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, or something like that. But there are only a select few shows that are those you know, kind of prestige shows that you really would love to work for, that, that you really love, and maybe they're not hiring, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know? And so honing your craft in a wide variety of shows is, is really common. Um, you know, working in, in single cams and multicams, working in kids' TV and adult TV and animation and live action. You know, if you look at the IMDb, you know, profiles of a lot of very successful writers you'll you'll see a progression you know of different kinds of shows and 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 those writers honing their sort of personal voices and slowly working to the place where they can sort of do the kinds of shows that they want to work on or eventually getting that opportunity you know um most most first time writers don't end up on the show that they initially want to write on you know like it's it's just sort of the the way that it works so mm-hmm. um you know uh, uh there's always something to learn at a you know even on a show that you know that you think is not exactly in your wheelhouse you know if you've got if you've got an eye for you know dialogue you can make the dialogue and that you know animation script sparkle or mm-hmm. or even if it's, you know, if the multicam and you're really more of a, a single cam person, like hone your joke writing ability, hone your joke pitching ability. I mean, those are, um, you know, those are certainly places where you can get better, even if it's not the ideal show for you. And, um, but that being said, I mean, I really enjoyed working on Super Ninjas. Um, and, and, and during that process, you know, we were also sort of, pitching um, what became Kirby Buckets and um, getting that sold at the uh, the beginning of 2012. So, you know, it's, um, you know, and, and having that experience probably helped us to write a better Kirby Buckets script, you know, having worked a little bit in kids TV and kids single camera specifically, you know, like helped us write a, a better script, I think. Mm. I, I know John Cleese talks about uh, intermediate possibles where mm. to, to get to the idea that you want, you might have to go through one that you sure. that's not ideal. Um, yeah, but you can't absolutely. get from A to C without going through B. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some people, you know, you do hear the magic stories of somebody has a great, a great idea for a show and, you know, they get somebody powerful interested and they sell it and they end up running the room or, or co-running it or whatever. And, you know, they're immediately on the show that they want to be on. And that does happen, but mm. I don't think that's the, that's most people's experience, yeah. you know. And there's always something to learn from any show that you're on. And, you know, maybe even more importantly, there are 
people on those shows who will go on to other projects who, if you are a good person to work with and if you're a, um, you know, like a normal, you know, uh, fun person, they're going to want to work with you on their next project or that showrunner goes to something else or the network really likes the scripts that you're writing and they want to develop with you. Like that's, all of that is, is how you build a, a network. So, you know, to turn, to turn your nose up at a job because it might not be like an ideal job seems silly to me. Mm. Well, I do, I do think there's a balance. I think you have, have to have your, your head in the game. Um, there's a lot of people who are told to focus on one genre because it helps the, right. the representation to sell you. When they can, when they've got you in a certain box, sure. And and people are told, especially early in your career, how that that can be helpful if yeah. they know you're the zombie guy. Right. They can go to all the people who make zombie <laughs> stuff and say, "This is a zombie guy." Sure. Um, but I I think at the same time, if you're confined to a certain box and you miss out on on work, right, uh, you might not end up lasting very long. Yeah, and, and I think there's there's a difference too between when you're starting out and when you're writing um, samples, be it pilots or, or spec episodes of something. Um, you know, you do want to develop a, a consistent voice, even if you're doing a multicam pilot and a single cam pilot, like you want to have sort of a consistent sensibility, you know, between them. Like, you know, if you really love genre stuff, you know, then maybe maybe it's not as important for you to have a, you know, a, a procedural in your in your back pocket, um, unless it's like a genre procedural, you know, but, you know, it, it is important to do that on your own, like writing on your own. Um, but I think that in terms of being like offered a job, if the showrunner thinks you're going to bring something to that show and, and they're willing to hire you, I think even if it's not your ideal show, there aren't enough shows and there aren't enough jobs out there, you know, to turn it down because it's not perfect. So I think you want to, you know, if the show's not perfect for you, then, you know, just make sure that you're developing your own stuff on the side, you know, mm -hmm. like spend your nights and weekends, you know, crafting your, you know, Mad Men script that you can shop around later if that's if that's what you really want to do is a, you know, 60s period, you know, drama. Mm. Um, but you're stuck on, you know, a, uh, a family sitcom, you know, wh whatever it is. But, but um, you know, it, it, it makes sense to diversify a little, but I, I think it does sort of you know, depending on the position of your career and, and what you're talking about, to also, you know, develop a specific voice so that your agent, yeah, you're the zombie guy, you're the, you know, the, the crazy action guy, you're the, um, you know, the procedural girl, whatever. So make sure that, uh, that, that, that I, I believe that's true as well. But, you know, it's sort of, you know, I wouldn't turn down a job because it's not exactly in my wheelhouse. <laughs> mm. And and Kirby Buckets has been good to you. Yeah. Um, and and so you said you you were developing that uh, sort of at the same time that you were on Super Ninjas. Yeah. So um, that process kind of took a long time. Mm. <laughs> um, we sold it in 2012, in the beginning of 2012. And we developed it with the network, and we came up with the um, you know the the script, and and um, and they really liked the script that we wrote for them, and so they greenlit a pilot, 
which is great and exactly what we wanted. Um, and the trouble was that that pilot just for, you know, one reason or another, whether, you know, it was, you know, casting or just like in, in development and it just, it sort of shifted away from what it kind of did best and, and, and we weren't even sure exactly what the show did best. So we made a pilot that looked good, um, but that didn't test particularly well mm. and Disney wasn't as excited about it. And so what they, um, what they said to us was, listen, we still really believe in this idea. What we'd like to do is to just write another pilot and see what happens. Oh wow! So we we got the chance, and you don't often get this in in life. You know, uh, my my writing partner Gabe always says, you know, like to to get this chance to to do something again, knowing what you know now, wow. knowing knowing what the pitfalls are, knowing the things that you would avoid if you could. We had that opportunity, and wow. so we we took it. So we took some more chances, and we went a little bit bigger, and we you know we just kind of. We kind of, um, we wrote a pilot that we didn't think was producible, in fact, because it was a, a road pilot. It was, it, you know, it was, um, Kirby's this animator and he has his two friends and they were, you know, on the road um, trying to get from school to the event center where this important, like, animation design contest was happening, but they didn't have a ride there. So it became sort of like a road, a mini road movie. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, we were writing it, we were having a blast, but we didn't think it was producible at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but we decided to stop worrying about that. And that was one of the things that, you know, one of the lessons that we had learned. And so, um, you know, um, some characters were created, some characters disappeared, um, just to, you know, just to, to hone in on what the show, what we felt the show really did well. And then Disney really liked that pilot. And so, um, we brought in a guy that Gabe and I had worked with on a few other shows, um, Chris Brown, not that Chris Brown, um, <laughs> K-R-I-S Brown, and he, um, uh, he was a producer level writer or a supervising producer maybe on Death Valley, mm -hmm. and he was a co-EP, uh, excuse me, he was a co-EP on um, Super Ninjas as well. Um, and so we knew him really well, and um, Disney really wanted to work with him, and he had some ideas for the pilot. Um, and more importantly, he had producing experience, which Gabe and I lacked, mm -hmm. sorely lacked. And so, um, so we, uh, Disney brought him in, and we were very excited to have him on board um, because he really did make you know, the pilot a lot better. He brought it up to you know, a higher level, and he had an experience on like, you know, live action, of course, but also in animation. He was the, you know, one of the the, um, the head writers on Beavis and Butthead. Oh, so, wow. you know, he'd had a lot of animation experience as well. So, you know, he brought a lot of that to bear and made the, the show that much better. And we shot the pilot again, which was great. And it it turned out really well and Disney was happy and it tested well. and. And so it just, it took an extra year to find what the show wanted to be and do, and, and then we eventually found it. And thankfully, Disney gave us that chance. Wow, yeah, which is very rare. Yeah, that's not, uh, that's not super common. <laughs> yeah. We had a, a almost entirely new cast as well. Um, you know, originally in the, in the first pilot, um, 
uh, Jake Short, who'd done other work with Disney before, was our Kirby. And um, when the first pilot didn't get picked up, he ended up going to another pilot with them and, and ended up on that show. So he wasn't available and, and we wanted to sort of rejigger things anyway. So, um, so we brought on um, Jacob Bertrand, who'd done some work with, um, from Nickelodeon and some other things. And, and he, was, he was great. And we were really excited to, uh, to get him and to get our whole cast. Um, you know, I, I think the cast of the show is like one of its big strengths. I mean, you know, the you know, writers like to think they, you know, they, they do all of this work and they do. And, they, and, and a lot of times uncredited and that's, you know, too bad. But, um, you know, once you're actually getting to the stage of producing something, you know, as a writer, you know, who hasn't done that much, you sort of realize how important actors are and bringing sort of subtle nuances and you know finding funny moments that weren't there before um and our our entire cast is just so good at that that um you know you know kids just ate it up boys and girls and it was it was it it, it tested very well so um you know disney was excited and and you know ordered uh, 20 episodes for the first season so that was a great moment, and um, watching kids, you know, through that that uh, you know the 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 one way mirror there, and seeing them um, uh, seeing them watch something that you wrote, and laughing and responding to it, and and you know answering questions about it afterwards, it was uh, it was very gratifying, and it was really really fun experience to to watch them and really enjoy the show. So. Wow, wow. And so, so you actually got to be there at the test screenings. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the great things about, uh, about Disney and, and about, um, about Chris is that, you know, they want us involved and they care about our opinions. I mean, to a certain extent, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and so we've been able to get so much great experience, you know, from being on set and, delivering notes to a director and, and talking to the actors about, you know, line delivery, about, you know, the, in, the intention of a scene or to, to being in an editing bay and, and, and working on, on the cut of an episode and how it comes out and learning about, you know, how that really is its own art and putting that together really can change, you know, the way an episode feels and, and looks and, you know, all the way to, um, listening to and picking out the um, uh, the theme song for the show, <laughs> you mm. know, like there's there have been so many little steps, and thankfully our showrunner and and the network have let us, you know, be involved in in most of them, which is which has been great and a, a really eye opening experience. Very cool. So so there's a couple of things that I'd love I'd love to hit here. Sure. Um, one one of them is how much do you think this this second pilot that you did is just sort of a matter of, of honing what you had and putting together a dream team, or how much is something that you might take into the first time of a new pilot? Um, I, think, I think our experience was, we definitely honed what, what was working in the first pilot but we also we we also changed a bit uh, as well, and you know there were things that once you start thinking about this is going to be produced, 
you start thinking about things like producibility and like, can we shoot this? And, and, and sometimes, not always, but sometimes that can kind of be the enemy of like coming up with the best thing. You know, mm. you come up with the easily producible thing. <laughs> um, and uh, so definitely, definitely having this second chance freed us up a little bit. And, you know, like I said, we, we created a whole new character. Fish was not in the first pilot. Um, and, uh, and then, so the group of friends became a group of three instead of just a, a pair. And um, Kirby's sister, Dawn, uh, didn't have uh, a friend in the first pilot. And, and so we gave her a, um, uh, a friend in the character of Belinda. Um, someone to bounce ideas off of, someone to get on her own sort of B storylines with. And, and so that was, I mean, that was important to discover that. And, and that was sort of honed from what we learned from the first pilot. But also, you know, just being free to, you know, to say like, okay, what do we want this to be was, um, you know, was important as well. Mm. And so, so would you say that, that that's something that you take to future projects to say, you're going to just... Uh, make it as unproducible as it needs to be, but <laughs> like... I, will, I wouldn't advise to make it unproducible, but I think that I would advise to, you know, if it's a comedy, like, write what's going to make... Write what makes you laugh. If you're reading it and you're not smirking a little bit, if, you, if, it, if it doesn't elicit any sort of, you know, humor, like, maybe it's... Maybe you're playing it too safe, or, you know, it's certainly something that... Um, I've seen in reading uh, lots of scripts for um, staffing of the show is there's a lot of scripts out there that are very competently done and um, they're not bad scripts they're you know you could imagine the show being on CBS next season hmm. but um, you know it might not be as exciting or fun and I think one of the things that I've learned from that process and from the process of, of getting a chance to do the second pilot is, you know, you got to do something that you're going to want to watch on TV that you'd get excited about, not just something that you could imagine being on TV, you know, something that um, is going to, you know, drum up some real enthusiasm from someone else that's reading it because, you know, the best pilots that, that I've read in, in, in staffing for this show have been pilots that were, maybe they weren't super producible. Maybe they were just, they had a very specific, defined comedic voice and they were funny. Like I was genuinely laughing early and often and they, you know, um, maybe I couldn't imagine the network that they would go on, but I was along for a, a, a fun ride and that was... To me, anyways, and, and Gabe and I have talked about this a lot, you know, for our own for our own writing and future projects, you know, not to worry about, you know, what might be hot, what might be trending right now, what might be, you know, uh, what you could imagine being on TV um, for both pitches and samples more as much as, you know, what's the piece of writing that's going to sell me as a writer, like that's going to showcase what I do really well um, and not what I think might sell, you right. know, if that makes sense. Yeah, and don't play it safe. Yeah, I, 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 think, that's a, I think that's a good, um, good axiom to follow. If you're, if you're playing it too safe, you know, it's very easy to just blend in with the hundred other scripts 
on a showrunner's desk, mm. you know, if you're playing it really safe. So I, I would definitely just say, do what, do what you're interested in and what's, what's exciting to you and what's funny to you. And that's, that, your enthusiasm for it will come through on the page naturally. Mm. Now, now let's talk a little bit about, um, so you, you were the co-creator of, of the idea. Now, was, was Chris there from the beginning or brought on later in the process? Uh, he was, so he was brought on after the first pilot was made. Um, and um, so, so Gabe and I, uh, my writing partner, we are the co-creators of the show. Um, and so when we developed the idea with Disney, you know, we worked with them back and forth and we went in by ourselves and we pitched it. But in truth, you know, once they like the idea and we've written a script for them and they're going to greenlight that, there's no real reason for any network to believe that Gabe and I would be able to, to actually deliver a product to mm. them because we hadn't done it before. I mean, we'd been staff writers on Death Valley, been staff writers on Super Ninjas, and then on another Nickelodeon show that we were working on while we were developing it um, called The Thundermans. You know, but, but those three shows, I mean, we were staff writers. We were not even, you know, co-producer level. Mm. So, um, you know, we had to bring in somebody and Disney rightfully brought in, um, you know, Chris on that second pilot to really, um, um, to really figure out, you know, how to make, you know, this crazy semi-unproducible pilot actually work. Mm -hmm. So that was good. And so he, he acts as the showrunner yeah, now? Yeah, so he acts as the showrunner. Um, uh, he's an executive producer level, and um, and Gabe and I are sort of number twos on the show. And so, um, so Chris will be, you know, he will be in editing. He'll be in like a, a mixing session. He'll be making notes on the animation in the show. He'll be making notes on on music um, and you know answering questions, being in production meetings, doing any one of the million things that a showrunner has to do that Gabe and I would have no idea how to do, which allows us to focus on a few areas. We're sort of focused on being in the writer's room and running that and sort of shaping the kinds of stories we wanna tell. And occasionally we'll be on set to you know help shape the kinds of you know the ways that these you know stories are brought to life, and you know occasionally we'll be in the editing room to sort of you know again like shaping and 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 building the episode. But you know Chris does so much work on that show. I I look at at his uh, his work ethic, and it's and it's amazing. And we're just truly like you know. Uh, blessed to have him. I mean, Gabe, Gabe and I share an office and, you know, like we look at each other all the time and just like, I am so glad we are not show <laughs> show. Not only because I wouldn't know how to do it, it's just, um, it's just, you know, the level of, of commitment and, and work that, you know, he puts into the thing is, is amazing and, and has made the show just so much better. Wow, wow. And, and so now were you and Gabe and Chris all together in choosing the staff for the show? Yeah, yeah, so that's another thing that Chris didn't have to let us be mm -hmm. a part of, but he was very much, you know, collaborative and wanting to build a staff together of, you know, of people that we thought we could work with and people that we were excited about. So um, a lot of times, so we would get scripts from the network, we'll get scripts from our agent, from his agent, from just agencies in general would send us things. and. 
And, you know, so we would just read through, you know, as many of these as we could each day and try to, you know, make a couple of piles, you know, mm -hmm. the yes, no, maybe piles. And, um, and uh, you know, and it's, it's hard to get on that yes list mm -hmm. um, because it's really easy to just blend in. But, um, yeah, thankfully, you know, in making these decisions, I have, you know, two other guys to sort of talk with about, um, well, what did you think about this guy? Like, I really like liked his dialogue, but maybe the maybe the structure of the story wasn't great, or or this woman did a really nice job with these jokes. Like, I was laughing a lot, but you know, her act breaks were kind of weak. You know, do we need a joke person in the room? Do we need you know, or are we looking for somebody that's more you know solid in structure? You know, that's the kind of um, conversations. It's and decisions, it's nice to have other people mm. there who've read it as well and, you know, and so, um, so if somebody felt strongly about someone and, and um, you know, maybe another person was sort of ambivalent about them, you know, maybe we'd ask for a second piece of material or maybe we would meet them and, mm. and, and see how it, how it went. But yeah, it was, it was nice to have some, some other people to, to bounce, um, to bounce opinions on, you know, because, you know, you trust your gut on these things, but but it's also, you know, art is subjective. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, maybe I just didn't love a character or I didn't love, like, a choice of, 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 of pilot, but um, um, there is something there that I, I missed. So it's, it's nice to have other people to talk to mm -hmm. about that. And how big is the staff? Oh, let's see. We've got, for the second season, we had four staff writers, a um, consulting producer, a um, another consulting producer had sort of came in halfway through um, and, and helped us out when we needed that. Um, then uh, Gabe and I, at CoEP level, uh, another, another dude um, at CoEP level, and and then Chris at mm. uh, EP. So, yeah. So it's a decently sized staff. Um, it's it's not it's not a small room, but it's not it's not huge either. When people go off on script and you're in the the middle of production, mm -hmm. you know, we had 26 episodes for the second season. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of times, um, you know, you'd have like two or maybe even three people off on either writing an outline or writing a script or, or revising or something. And so the room would sort of shrink mm -hmm. when, uh, when you had, so it was, it's nice to have a few people in there to, to keep the room going, even when you lost some to, uh, um, you know, to working on their own or to mm -hmm. working on, you know, scripts. Yeah, well, that's, that's pretty cool. Going 21st season, 26 second yeah. season. Obviously, Disney, Disney's pretty invested in this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's nice to, you know, one of the good things about kids TV is the orders are pretty big, mm -hmm. you know, compared to network TV. Um, and, you know, if they order 26 episodes, there's a very good chance you're going to shoot those 26 episodes. I mean, mm. I suppose it probably has happened before, but it's not, it's not likely that, you know, you get canceled after two or three. Like mm. for the most part, you know, if they order that, like they're sort of, the financials are such that it makes sense for them to produce those episodes. And, and, uh, and it does seem like they, they, that Disney XD really likes the show and, and that's been really gratifying. And 
you know, because we like it, we like making it, we think it's a good show, but, uh, you know, it's nice for other people to, uh, to get behind it, you know, put, sort of put the, uh, the money where the mouth is kind of thing, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, very, very cool, and, and congratulations. Thank you. Um, and, and so, now we've been caught up to the present. Second season is, uh, is well underway. Yep. And uh, from your perspective, it's, it's uh, in the can. But. Yeah, from my, we've shot all 26 episodes. Um, uh, Chris is still working on you know, notes and will occasionally you know, chip in with, uh, you know, we'll go to a mix or, or something like that or a voiceover sh- session. But uh, for the most part, you know, we're just waiting to hear back for season three. Wow, wow, very cool. So, so tell me about um, lessons learned as a writer, just personally, you and Gabe, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're in this downtime um, between seasons, are you, are you still going out with pitches? Are you still taking meetings? Or are you totally focused on Kirby? Um, and, and how are you approaching your, your writing now? Um, well, it's contractually, um, we can't really we could pitch something new, but it's not going to be likely that another network will buy something from us because, you know, Kirby is in first position, they call it. And so if Kirby gets brought back for a season three, whatever job we were on or whatever pitch we had sold or whatever would have to take a back seat to that. Mm-hmm. And so networks know that. And, and, you know, unless you're working with the same network and they think you can sort of like work around it and do two things at once, you know, we're, we're really, you know, sort of focused on, on Kirby in terms of pitching, but we're, you know, it's really nice to be able to sort of flex some other muscles as well, you know, because we've written now 46 episodes of, of Kirby. So, you know, I'm very familiar with those characters in that yeah. world. And, and so it's nice to write, um, you know, write other kinds of jokes, other kinds of characters. Um, you know, Gabe and I are working on just a new sample now just to have something for, you know, when Kirby does, you know, finally not come back whenever that is. Um, so we have something like in the bank that we can go out with for mm-hmm. staffing season or we can try to sell. Um, and then we'll also, we'll probably work on pitches, but we probably won't go out with anything. I see, I see. Yeah. So had, have stuff in your bag, but when you're yeah. ready. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, um, you know, it's, it's one of the, the lessons, you know, that I kind of learned early on is that, you know, projects, even when they look like they're going well or uh, something's, you know, there's some movements, there's some heat behind it. Um, it's always good to have lots of irons in the fire because, you know, projects can die at the drop of a hat for reasons that are totally beyond your control. You know, if you have a a director that's interested, he signs on to do something else, all of a sudden that project's kind of dead for a little bit. Or it's not dead, it's just sort of hibernating. Mm. And so um, you want to have something else that you're working on that you can pivot to because it's not, no one likes to be caught flat-footed. And this is not a, this is a business where job security is hard to come by. And so um, the more projects you're working on, you can sort of develop job security by like, you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket. So when you're on a show, it's sort of tough because like all of your time and energy is, you know, invested into that show. But when you're, um, uh, when you're out in, you know, in between shows or in between jobs or in between seasons even, it's always good to be working on something else so that, yeah, when, 
you know, when, when you know, the thing that you think is never going to die eventually dies, it's good to have the, uh, the next thing ready to go. Mm. And, and are you thinking you'd stay in the kid space or, or are you getting out of the kid space? I don't know. I mean, I would, I'm, I'm having a blast right now. I did not think that, that, you know, Gabe and I would end up in kids TV, but um, we're here now and Disney has been great about letting us do the kind of, I mean, ridiculous, crazy show that we want to do. And so like, that's been a really good experience. I mean, I would rather work on, you know, I would rather work on a show like this than, than something that, you know, even if it was an adult show that like, I didn't really believe in, you know? Mm. So it's, um, it's nice to, uh, and it's, and it's also nice to have, um, that experience and have developed like a network of, of writers and, and execs and, and producers and the people that I, I know in this space. So it, it, that's, that's been good, but you know, I mean, I'm definitely open to, you know, adult stuff too. And I know that, um, you know, like that's where I thought I was going to end up. So, you know, I, I, short answer is, I don't know. It kind of depends on what opportunities come along and you know, where we get the most traction. Very cool. So, uh, so we're getting close to wrapping up here, but we, we usually wrap up with breaking in tips. Now you've had a few more years under your mm-hmm. belt. You've lived here for <laughs> I've lived more here years. For a while, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so now that you're at this stage, what would you say to, to somebody who's just arrived in LA and, and, uh, and wants, to, wants to work in this industry? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think, I think, you know, the advice about, you know, diversifying a little bit is good advice. I mean, you don't, you don't want to have just one piece of material that you're really passionate about and it's going to be this or nothing. You know, you want to have a few pieces. You know, if you, if you attract a manager, you know, somebody that's willing to read something, chances are, I mean, they're going, even if they love that piece of material, they're going to want to read something else because, you know, they're interested in your career. So, you know, a, a single piece of material can get you a job. It can probably get you an agent and get can get you a sale potentially, but, you know, you're much better off having a few different pieces of material. You know, we talked about diversifying a little bit, but then keeping sort of a, a honed, you know, uh, voice, like writerly voice there, like whatever it is that you love to do, whatever makes you, you on the page, you know, coming through and all that material, but different kinds of pieces so that, you know, so a showrunner, so that um, an agent or manager, so that a, a network exec knows that you're not like a one trick pony is, mm. is, is good. And then, and then just a piece of advice from having read all of these scripts, you know, as part of, um, as part of the staffing process, I think, you know, I think it is important that you, that you write something that you're excited about that showcases, you know, if it's a comedy showcases your comedic sensibility, if it's a drama, like showcases the kind of stories that you want to tell, the kind of characters you want to explore, because, you know, if it's, if you have this chance, you know, you, you want to be you want to get the job or not get the job based on who you actually are, not on who you think that person is looking to hire. You know, like because mm. that's a that's a that's a lot of math to to do, and you might not be wrong or you might not be right in what you assume they're looking for. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of the um, 
I don't think any of the people we ended up hiring on Kirby gave us a kids show sample, you know? Interesting, interesting. So, um, you know, but we could tell from their adult, um, you know, network pilots, like what kind of sensibility they had, the kind of jokes, mm. like, oh, there's sort of like a silliness here. That would really go well with, with Kirby or, or they're writing precocious children and you know like Kirby's a really you know Ferris Bueller kind of kid and and so like that would translate well or 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 their structure there is really tight like this is just a really impressive you know um you know piece of craft here you know like that's you know that that stuff is as a, you don't know what's going to be important mm. and so writing what's exciting to you is the best chance of exciting someone else about you, I think. So, so rather than doing what you think they're going to want to see. Wow, very cool. That, that's actually a great place to end up as well. Um, and I do uh, thank you so much for your time. Sure. And, and con congratulations again on Kirby Season 2, and we're hoping for Season 3. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, you know, we should find out soon. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll d we're doing this in uh, four more years, and, um, you know, <laughs> I've got a whole bunch of other stories to tell. <laughs> yeah, very cool. And people can find you on Twitter, at MAlber. Yes, so if you want to follow the, um, the show, uh, I have sort of two Twitter accounts. Yeah. I've got at MAlber and then at MAlber2000, which is where I talk talk more about the show and uh, sort of promote that a little bit. Very cool. Well, thanks again for your time and uh, best of luck to you. Hey, thank you. Great to be here. Thanks. I want to thank this week's sponsors, Blackmagic Design, makers of DaVinci Resolve 12 edit software, and much more at blackmagicdesign.com. If you've got kids eight and under, they're going to love the fun animated songs at abc123songs.com. I want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle for the latest updates. And as always, there are tons of resources at tvwriterpodcast.com. You can find all of these podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash Graham A. Jones. See you next time.